The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. These words of Jesus are so familiar to us. We know them as the Beatitudes, the blessings. We think we know what they mean. It is gentle Jesus, meek and mild, administering blessings on his followers. Now, to a certain extent, this is true, but we also know that Jesus is never all that simple. Jesus, we see over and over again, likes to turn tables upside down. He challenges the power structures and inverts them. Remember, the last is first, the first is last, and so on. And he flips what is known and comfortable sometimes on its head. He's not an anarchist just to be an anarchist. Jesus is concerned with God's justice, and it is very unpopular with those in power because he points out the abuse of power that he sees that is contrary to God's justice. So these beatitudes are statements of blessing, but they are also instructional as well. They tell us how to live a life that is permeated in God's justice. Now, I want to dispel an interpretation that can be problematic. The gospel says, Jesus turns to the disciples and says, blessed are you who are poor, etc." And then later he says, woe to you who are rich, etc." Now, having wealth, or if you are able to eat three meals a day with no problem, is not bad. 
First of all, let's look at who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to the disciples who are following him. Now, the gospel says he stood on a level place with the disciples who were following them, following him, and a great multitude of people from all Judea. So there was a diverse crowd. But what he did was he turned away from the crowd and he turned to the disciples to say the words that we call the Beatitudes today. The disciples have left everything that they know, their jobs, their families, their livelihoods, and they likely are poor at this point. They likely are not eating their fill. In a way, he is saying, don't worry about all of that. You will be fine. What's important is that we live for the gospel, that we live to transform the insecurities and injustices of the world. The woes are there for those who may be complacent or too content, so much so that they maybe don't see or bother to notice the plight of those who suffer around them. It's easier for us, isn't it? It's easier for us who have a lot to become distracted so that we don't notice the needs of others. So for those who make a commitment to follow Jesus, there may be some sacrifices, but he, in theory, says, don't worry, woes will be made into blessings. Notice how Luke says that Jesus came down and stood on a level place. In Matthew's version of the Beatitudes, in the Gospel of Matthew, the same Beatitudes are part of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. Matthew has Jesus giving a sermon and saying these Beatitudes from a high place, a mount. In other words, above the people, not level with the people. Here in Luke, Jesus comes down from a high place and is on the same level with the crowd. Remember in scripture, high places were considered holy. Temples were built on mountains or on mounts. High places were considered holy. So in coming to a level plain, Jesus brings the holy down to the people. That's why sometimes this is called the Sermon on the Plain. Now, I love this image of Jesus there with the people, boots on the ground, okay, sandals on the ground, in the midst of it all, sleeves up, ready to work. And as we have come from the season of Christmas and are still in the season of Epiphany, the season of light, where we have heard over and over again about God with us, Emmanuel, we can really feel it today in Luke's gospel. God with us in the person of Jesus, telling us on the plain, the plain truth. So, on this level playing field, while there are blessings today, there also seem to be some curses and, you know, woe to you who are rich, etc., all of that. It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough to think of the idea of God cursing us, but that is not what the woes are about. We do a pretty good job of cursing ourselves by not following God's justice. 
And Jesus often warns us that when we do choose to step away from God's justice, we will fall into woeful states. We do it ourselves. And like I've said, sometimes when, when we have plenty, we, we may not be as focused on what is important in life, and we can get distracted away from what's important. But we are a work in progress. Humanity as a whole is a work in progress. Parishes, too, are works in progress. We never, ever finish the work. And it is important for us to always strive for God's justice, not only in our own lives, but out there in the world. Church is never finished. We are, are forever envisioning and, and forever imagining possibilities for God's justice, for renewal, for a healthy way forward. And, and, and it seems like, you know, now especially, that, that there has been a lot of transition endless transitions and alterations these past couple of years. And even before COVID, you had a couple of years where you were in a transition period. But this is okay, because maybe we need to see things in a different way. As frustrating as that can be sometimes, changes and transitions may seem woeful, but in reality, they can be blessings. They can be blessings. So here's what I believe. I'm a big believer of conversion. I'm a big believer of transformation of heart and amendment of life. I believe in the power of God to transform. I believe that grace is poured out for us all and the Holy Spirit breaks into our lives, not always in comfortable ways, but to transform us into the image of Christ. But I'm also a believer in the fact that we also have to show up sometimes even if we don't understand fully everything and, and then sometimes the truth seems like it's a complete 180 from what it should be, but where the first is last and the last is first and all of that, truth is found in places sometimes that don't make sense, don't make immediate sense to us. But I do believe that woes can be made blessings, but it takes work and it takes humility and it takes openness. Many of you know that I wasn't raised in the church, even though I, I had an early childhood experience with Sunday school and a children's choir in a Presbyterian church. And I, but I do remember thinking that, you know, I believe in God, and I kind of made that up in my own mind, that, that I had a relationship with God. I didn't need an institution to tell me that and, and to force rules and beliefs on me that didn't make sense. I was like Paul, persecuting Jesus in my mind. I wasn't a believer. I found Christianity sometimes, of what the Christianity that I saw anyway, to be oppressive and that I could never be good enough for it, but, but too long of a story for today. As a young adult, I found myself in a basic Christianity class at an Episcopal church where at first, you know, I was defiant and four weeks later, sobbing. Understanding in my heart the truth of who Jesus was, that I was indeed loved by God, and, and I experienced in all humility a transformation of heart that would change my life. Now, none of this would have happened, I don't believe, without the institution of the church. And this one particular church's parish's strength of formation and programmatic opportunities where I could engage in community and struggle with my faith along with others who helped me learn 
And that's why we're here. That's why we are all here, why this building is here, why the chapel is there, why the bigger institution is here, so that we can be a light to the world in many, many different ways with the gifts that God has given us, so that we can be disciples and to help others be disciples, to keep that light continually shining and to not let that light burn out or be forgotten. We are stewards of the light, and as stewards of the light, we have to be louder than the other voices who like to depress the light. We, we, we also, also have to remember those who have gone before us, those other voices of light that inform our faith. And in the Episcopal Church, we lift up saints, saints who have gone before us, those people who have made a difference in the life of the church and to the service of humanity. Today is the feast day of Absalom Jones. Who was Absalom Jones? Absalom Jones was born into slavery in 1746. He later purchased his freedom. He served as a lay minister for black membership at St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church in Pennsylvania. He worked hard and tirelessly denouncing slavery and he organized the Free African Society, helping many. His outreach increased the black membership of St. George's, which ultimately alarmed the white vestry. So they made a decision to segregate with the black congregants forced to worship up in the balcony. Only they didn't tell them that they were going to do that, and when the ushers tried to remove them from their seating, Absalom Jones, along with all the others, walked out. As a result, he started another church, and he applied for membership in the Diocese of Pennsylvania in 1794. It was admitted as St. Thomas's African Episcopal Church. Jones was ordained by the bishop as a deacon in 1795 and then a priest in 1802. So Absalom Jones was the first African-American uh, priest ordained in the Episcopal Church. Now, this church boasted 500 members its first year. Absalom Jones spoke up and lived for the gospel message of proclaiming God's justice and in the words of another Jones was an example of persistent faith in God and in the church as God's instrument. A woe was turned into a blessing. Doesn't mean struggles ended forever. After all, Absalom Jones was a black man in 1802. Nevertheless, progress, change happened. The church doesn't always get it right, but when it does, we must celebrate and use the examples of the saints and those who have gone before to inform us. What are the challenges of this day? What are the injustices of this day? Are we able to say what needs to be said in order to make things right? The Sermon on the Plain is plain. No matter our station in life, when we follow Jesus, we are able to see blessings. It is easier sometimes when we have lost everything to turn to God for help, and it's harder when we have everything to think that we need God's help. 
The Beatitudes and Woes challenge us today to think about what it is we value, what does it mean for us to be disciples apart from the multitude, the crowd. It's not what do we do, what do we give up to follow Jesus, but what do we take on? What does it mean to be a disciple in this day and age? So I leave you with this, a definition from the Episcopal Church Foundation on what it means to be a disciple. Essentially, discipleship is about living for Jesus, seeking to grow in a deeper relationship with the living Christ, and to do that in community, talking about our faith with others, witnessing by word and deed what it means to live as a Jesus follower. It means that we are committed to not only being there in the beginning as someone embraces Christianity, but also walking with the person as he or she grows in faith, teaching and learning along with him or her. We do what it takes, like Absalom Jones, to not be deterred, to not be complacent or half-hearted. As Jeremiah tells us today, and all the prophets who have said it in one way or another, that we are to trust God. Jeremiah says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when the heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. It does not cease to bear fruit. Woes can turn to blessings when we as disciples do the right thing. Amen.